kick off episode 285 of Monster Kid Radio with a band out of Tucson, Arizona. They're called the Boogie Knots. This song is called Testing the Limit. It is off of their two-song single EP. Their release you can get on Bandcamp at theboogieknots.bandcamp.com. Go check them out or look them up on Facebook. However you do, let them know you heard about them here on the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your host, writer-producer, Derek M. Cook. Welcome to the show. Right off the bat, I should let you know that this show is probably going to be a little bit shorter than normal. But I wanted to make sure that I got something to you, so I have some audio from Rose City Comic Con. Now, Tom Doffel and I went to Rose City Comic Con, and I had every intention of getting a whole bunch of interviews, a whole bunch of audio, and, you know, I don't know why it just occurred to me now. I was there with Tom. I should have shoved the microphone in his face like I do whenever Monster Kid Radio crashes something and he shows up. But whatever. I just didn't get that many recordings. But I did spend some time with one of my favorite Lovecraftian and pulp writers, Sean so you're going to hear me talk with Sean on this episode. Before we get to that, though, I have some feedback. We had a voicemail come in. Hello, Derek. Joe Iden here just commenting on your last podcast, the thoughts on Frankenstein. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I loved listening to all the uh, different uh, viewpoints and thoughts from some of the other listeners and thoroughly enjoyed the episode, man. You know, I really liked your um, your thoughts at the end and everything like that. I think you put every, everything very eloquently. I, I really did, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, there's a lot of podcasters that could take a lesson from you, because think about it. You're, you're, you're throwing out a subject, and you're getting your listeners to call in and basically getting your listeners to make the show. And I think, I think that's great, because that really, like no other way, that really tells your listeners how important they are to you. And when you open that up like that, I think that's terrific, and and a lot of other podcasters could do stuff like that. It's different from feedback, you know what I mean? It's different than that. Everybody does feedback, and that's great, too. But when you open up an entire show just to record the stuff the listeners on and make a show out of that, I think that that really does tell listeners uh, how important they are to you. I think it's great, and I think it was a great subject, and um, I listened to it once, and I'll be going back and listening to it again. So, uh, yeah, another great episode. Uh, you mentioned a couple of things. Audio commentaries. Yeah, I would love to hear audio commentaries by Monster Kid Radio. Absolutely. And it, I, you mentioned public domain uh, films, like some of these real obscure public domain films. That would be great. But, you know, I don't think it has to be public domain because I know uh, Kyle Yout over at Kaiju Cast has done it for a bunch of Toho films. In fact, he's got a, a separate iTunes feed for that stuff. And I know they're not public domain, so, I mean, he's even done one uh, that he recorded at a con with August Ragone, and he put that out as an audio commentary. So, I mean, don't take my word for it. You check into it yourself, but, I mean, I'm pretty sure you can do it to just about any film. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I've actually, uh, before I started my own show, I actually did a couple of audio commentaries, and I went out and looked for them. They're not there anymore, but... Uh, they can be a lot of work, you know what I mean, because there's a lot of research involved, and especially if you're talking about some really obscure films, it's tough to find stuff on it, and you've got to keep talking through the film, you know what I mean? It's but it, it, it's really hard to do by yourself because I've done it by myself, but if you have one or two other people, it's a little bit easier. 
and that's when you, you have a lot of facts about the actors, the production, and all that stuff. But there's other ones that are kind of like just a couple of guys watching a movie and talking about it, and every once in a while making fun of it. You know, not like Mystery Science Theater, but I mean, that's another type of audio commentary, too. Either way, I would love to hear a Monster Kid Radio audio commentary. Uh, yeah, I would definitely be, I definitely want to hear something like that. As far as Halloween goes, and uh, if we had any thoughts on what you want to do for Halloween, Here's one. I mean, did you ever think about doing a live show? I think that'd be great. I know, I don't know what's involved, but I know you can do live shows on podcasts because I've listened to them. And I think what they do is, is the listeners type their, uh, type their questions in through, a, through the internet and you read them. Right? I, I, I don't know exactly what's involved, but I know I've listened to live podcasts, live shows. And you could take it a step further, man. You could even do it live on YouTube because I've seen that too where you do live YouTube shows, and I know YouTube allows you to do it. Again, I don't know what's involved, but, um, I mean, that might be something. I, I would love to see something live by Monster Kid Radio. I think that'd be great. But, uh, you know, just a couple of thoughts to try to throw out at you. But, again, what a great episode, man. I, I really like those episodes where you have the listeners call in and get all the different viewpoints. I know I'm going to be going back, watching some Frankenstein movies over the next couple of weeks, based on listening to some of those calls. So uh, another great show, man. Derek, keep up the great work. you got a big fan here in northeastern Pennsylvania, and I will keep listening. Take care. Bye. Uh, There's a lot to unpack there, and I love it. Joe, thank you for sending that in. So first of all, before I forget, Joe is the man behind the Fandom Radio Podcast. Find it at fandomradiopodcast.podbean.com. I'll make sure there's a link to this in the show notes. It's a great show, and he and I are talking about me appearing on his show in the near future. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, the Frankenstein episode. Man, that was a blast. I love doing shows where I have submissions from other people. I love the feedback. Now, back when I used to do Mail Order Zombie, we had a huge feedback discussion in the show. And, you know, I kind of miss out a little bit here on Monster Kid Radio. We don't get nearly as much, but then I'm also not riffing off of my wife most of the time like I used to on my old show. So I miss it a little bit, but I love, I love having all the contributions. And I'm glad we were able to do it for something to celebrate. I think the last time we did it was when we were honoring Christopher Lee when he passed. So, you know, it wasn't a, a joyful kind of thing. Whereas the Frankenstein, we can always talk about Frankenstein. Every day's Frankenstein Day, like I said. That, that that I did at the end where I was talking about my own thoughts. I actually have that in written form. I may do something with that down the line. I don't know if I'll, I'll put it up as an essay over on monsterkidwriter.com or anything like that. But I'll do something with it. DVD commentaries. Joe's right. You don't have to just do a public domain film. I could theoretically put out a commentary track for anything. Kyle and the gang over at the Kaiju cast, they do this for all the Kaiju films. I know there are other podcasts that have done this as well, where you just have to make sure you sync the podcast up with watching the movie yourself. When I was saying public domain, I was referring to if I decided to put it out as a DVD or maybe put it on YouTube you know, it need to be something that I either had the rights to or didn't need to worry about getting the rights because if it's going out and it's somebody else's material, even if it's just a visual, there's that issue. But as a commentary track, you're right. As long as I don't have audio or video component, it's just a I can play along thing. In fact, the guy that I have coming on the show probably next week, well, if not next week, the week after that, has done a commentary track himself for the movie The Giant Behemoth. I'm talking about Rod Barnett from the Nashi cast. I'll talk more about his appearance on Monster Kid Radio at the end of the show a live episode I know it's doable to go back to the kaiju cast I know when they have their big landmark episodes 
they do a live episode. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be part of it once. A lot of fun. Kyle and the gang are just incredible. How would I do it here? That I don't know. I don't know the technology enough. Um, I, I feel like I know what I know when it comes to podcasting. And trying to learn more and add more to my podcasting arsenal certainly is something that I want to do. But right now, I don't know how to pull it off. Doing it as a YouTube, like Google Hangout or YouTube thing, I think that's possible too. I know that the Lovecraft Ezine guys do their show through YouTube first, and then it goes out on the feed as a regular podcast. Second, the self-publishing podcast guys, that's how they do it as well. I think it's through YouTube, or at least that's how they used to do it. I don't know for sure these days. So I know it's possible. It's just a matter of having the time to try to figure it out. So if there are any Uber podcast producers out there, drop me a line, huh? And finally, Joe, thank you for your kind words uh, regarding the show and and me as a podcaster. I I love doing it. It's a point of pride, I suppose, a a passion. It's just something that I feel really, really good about. I just really enjoy doing the show. So thank you. I appreciate all of your kind words. They mean a lot to me. And they do this Monster Kid's Heart a lot of good. So thank you. Listeners, check out Joe, fandomradiopodcast.podbean.com. Dot com. Go check it out. All right, we've got that one recording from Rose City Comic Con. Stick around because after that, I've got a giveaway I'm going to announce. That's all coming right after this. a biological chain reaction, a geometrical progression of deadly mass. It had started casually, insignificantly, as momentous events often do. Look there. Two points off the port bow. The giant behemoth, the fire-spitting monster predicted in the Bible, its core a mass of lethal radiation. Rising from the depths of time, its strength enormous, its gargantuan ferocity a threat to London, to the world itself. We must find a way of destroying this creature in one piece. Judging by the beast's size, I would say it was powerful enough to drive a battleship. Of course, its tremendous electric charge is what projects the radiation. That's what makes the creature so deadly. Well, have you any concrete suggestions? Yes. First, block off the Thames. everyone, I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And we are your hosts for NashyCast, the podcast about the films of Paul Nashy. We, for over five years, have brought you the joys of Spanish cinema, filtered through our brains to you. Yes, now 
what is it that qualifies two southern boys to talk about films that came out of Spain? And I can't think of a single thing. There's nothing that qualifies. Nothing. nothing. Except that we just love, love them, love them, love them. We love them. Nashi Cast yeah. covers the films of Paul Nashi and any other Spanish horror film that we can pretend we know something about. <laughs> yes. If you love beautiful women wearing incredibly short miniskirts in subarctic temperatures <laughs> chased by werewolves in leisure suits. If you love werewolves, vampires, unidentifiable beasts, or crazy people driving women around and talking like a maniac. <laughs> yes, flying cats, beheadings with axes. <laughs> Blood that looks Shem- like melted crayons. Shambling zombies, yeah. Some of the films that we've covered in the past are Mark of the Werewolf. How of the Devil. Vengeance of the Zombies. Or Arises from the Tomb. Tombs of the Blind Dead. Vampire's Night Orgy. Ooh, yes. Join us on this journey through the golden age of Spanish horror where Paul Nashi, Leon Klamowski, Jess Franco, Amando Diasorio take us through a filter Espanol. Join us for the Nashi cast. It is safe to state that the grandchildren of some of the people in this theater will not be born on Earth. They come from the bowels of hell. A transformed race of walking dead. Zombies guided by a master plan for complete domination of the Earth. Plan 9 from outer space. Starring the most frightmarish cast ever. Bella Lugosi, the seductive vampira, and Thor Johnson as the walking dead. Turn off your electro gun! No! Bullets bounce off their bodies. Rockets, missiles, jets cannot stop their death ships. What earthly power can stop this terror? For a glimpse of things to come, see this blast of screen suspense. For it could be happening right now. One of the cool things that I like about Monster Kid Radio and the conventions I go to is that I've made friends over the years, and you've heard Sean Hillett on the show before. You're going to hear him again whether you like it or not, because he's right here. Sean, how's it going? It's going great. I'm glad people are not wasting their time. They can get right to me. That's right. That's right. We're going to make sure this is the first interview on this episode, so you're like right out the gate, boom. Uh, good, good, good. Then if you lose people for other interviews, because mine's bad, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I can... Uh, no, no, you know what? No, it's going to be good. It's, gonna, it's always good with us. <laughs> How has Rose City Comic Con treated you so far? Ah, very well. Um, it's one of my very favorite cons. And uh, I do Wizard World, and I do Salt Lake, which is very nice, and, uh, you know, other ones. But uh, Portland, uh, actually, Rose City, it always has a certain uh, just joyous atmosphere. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's two days instead of three days. So every day, each day is important. There's not one day where it's like, well, nothing really fun's going on, or nobody's really buying anything because I sell books here. Uh, nobody's really buying anything, and you know. 
but uh, it's it's just like excitement for everybody, um, and it doesn't really matter if people buy things or not. They're exposed to all sorts of cool stuff here, and great guests. What are some of the cool things you've seen so far? The cosplays are great. The artists are great, as always. I have to say, the most interesting thing I've seen is the is the retro arcade where I went with my uh, my friend and assistant, and we played Ms. Pac-Man and Asteroids, and uh, they had uh, all these games from from my actual youth. And, uh, and Greg's, because Greg's the same age, pretty much. And, uh, I mean, it's so great to play these games in the cabinet. I mean, they're exactly the games that, uh, that just like we played way back when. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't really like modern video games with a plot and characters and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, I like the video games that are like life. You can play, you can get a really high score, but eventually you're going to die. <laughs> it's just, it just seems less cruel to me not to get anybody all worked up. So I'm try, you're talking about the retro games. I'm trying to come up with a segue. Retro games, the retro movies we talk about. And you're yeah. like, nope, play well, the game it. and you die. I That's it. it. I mean, you got a segue? I, I got a segue. Uh, okay, vector graphics, uh-huh. like you have on Asteroid, the original Asteroids yeah. and everything. Very simple, right? Mm-hmm. And yet it has infinite variety. Okay. You're black and white. I say black and white. Or your or your Technicolor color saturated uh, horror films of the 50s and 60s. Very simple. They only had practical effects, really, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, again, infinite variety. And it's just it's great whether you grew up with those, which we did not, or if you've discovered them, and and you can't get enough because they are kind of infinite. <laughs> yeah. There's always another one. Yeah. And and to view them without the MST 3K kind of experience, to watch them and enjoy them non-ironically, play the games non-ironically, not all these crappy graphics, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. it's a marvel. It's great. It's actually freeing because you're not really worried about the, in a way, the artistic merit of, you know, the mole people that I always like to talk about. Uh, you're not worried about the artistic merit. Of there, there is some artistic merit in most of these films. But you're not really worried about it. You're having a good time. You're not worried about how sophisticated it is. And it's the exact same way with the old games. Well done. You can tell you're a writer. Thinking on the spot. Creative. Yeah, on the spot. Exactly. I only write first drafts. So, you know. <laughs> is that true? Not at all. Okay. I was like, no. wow. I was about to be really impressed there for a oh second. Oh, my God. No, you should be unimpressed. <laughs> the great Good writing, as Hemingway said, good writing is rewriting. Mm-hmm. So I got to ask you about your shirt. This shirt? This shirt right here. It's a, a print of the Aurora model Dr. Jekyll as Mr. Hyde set. Wait, where's the... Oh, it glows in the dark. It glows in the dark. Okay, funny story. Uh-huh. I am on a convention kind of tour. Salt Lake City, San Francisco, and now Portland. And after this is Austin. And I get to go home for a little bit before Austin. But uh, I did not pack my shirts Um from uh, from Salt Lake, and we got out of there. I'm like, well, there's some stuff I don't want to take with me to San Francisco, and then you know, because I was flying San Francisco, and then Portland, and then back home. So I put it all in these boxes, and I gave it to him. And he lives in Vegas, and so he took it back. So I realized, oh hell, all I have are these white T-shirts that are, let's just say, used, <laughs> and you don't want to wear them out in public. Uh, so I'm like, well, I'm gonna go to Goodwill and just get some inexpensive T-shirts. And I found this freaking T-shirt with. I mean, it's just brilliant. It's black and white. I mean, black and white. Glow in the dark. It's color. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you, and you called it the, exactly the toy and everything. Yeah. Um, and it fit. That, that's the bonus right there. That's the plus. Really, that's what you're looking for when you go to Goodwill, you know? Yeah. And the other one I, I got, which I was mentioning to someone, uh, a, a gentleman earlier, it's a gray shirt, and it's got in black type. It's got, uh, it's got Frank and Sammy and Dean and Peter and Joey, which was the original Rat Pack. Mm-hmm. I'm like... This shirt is three ninety nine. 
I ha- I would pay twenty dollars for this shirt. It's three ninety nine. So I got that and this, and I felt like the world's smartest, best shopper. And also because if I can get a horror shirt, yeah, I mean, it, and I, it's just like, yes, I Lovecraftian shirts. Did I tell you I sold all my Lovecraftian shirts? Oh, did you? Because I wanted to start getting new stuff. I want <laughs> I want the Universal Monsters. I want um, I want if I can get one uh, with. Uh, you know, uh, the more obscure robot monster is one of my oh, freaking yes. favorites. Yes. And uh, so, you know, I want to get some new, some new blood. I shaved my beard. I've got like a, a short beard now, mm-hmm. and because uh, I've done that for like three years. And uh, but branding, as you probably know, with Monster Kid Radio, is something you have to work at with almost every interaction you have with an interested public. Mm-hmm. But you have to make them remember you. And so shaving the beard, I'm like, uh-oh, I'm getting my branding. And then I'm like, well, no, because I'm branding the books. Pulp mm-hmm. is now my branding. I'm a pulp writer, and, and I kind of always have been, but uh, I decided to go with that. And it's been, it's been nice, because people are like, pulp? I love pulp fiction and pulp stuff, you know? Right. Pulp fiction no longer automatically makes someone think of the movie. True. And, it, True. and it's just fantastic. Speaking of your books, he sold out of Cthulhu Attacks, Volume 1. Congratulations. Thank you. I brought more of that book, because it's my bestseller, mm-hmm. to Salt Lake. Well, it was for the you know for this part of the tour uh, than of any other book. And boom, it's gone. Because Cthulhu, again, with the branding, right? Cthulhu is an, an idea that you can hang your book on, and then people go, oh, I know that idea or that meme, if you like the word used to be. Um, and uh, well, let me look into this. And since mine, my book, The Cthulhu Attacks, is one that appe- that would appeal to anyone who's even slightly interested. You don't have to know anything about Cthulhu because the president is a proxy for the reader. It's like, what is this Cthulhu? So it's just it's a lot of fun. So it, it just appeals to people. The Nikola Tesla uh, Penny Dreadful, which sells for $5, which is awesome, uh, has been huge because Tesla... Oh, Tesla, I love Tesla. And and then they and then they get that. And, um, you know, so I try to have something to hang each each thing on. Of course, a number of these I had written before I got that concept. I just wrote what I... I mean, I still write what I want to write, but my brain pushes me in the direction of why don't we write something that people really want to read and will understand right off just by looking at it. Same thing with, you know, I think a lot of old horror movies. Oh, this one has like a Wolfman type character. Oh, this one is a, Aliens, you know. Uh, this one is the worst movie ever made, supposedly, and yet it's still really enjoyable. Someone was just talking to me about Plan 9, and they were like, if they made a big-budget remake of that, or even a medium-budget remake of that, actually, the idea is really cool, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, the aliens come in to fight humans, they, they raise the dead, you know? But it could actually be made into a pretty cool movie. It's when they try to remake really good movies that they fall on their face. There have been a couple of independent attempts to redo Plan 9. I think there was one a couple years ago. I haven't seen it. It came out after I kind of stopped doing the zombie podcasting stuff, so I just kind of fell off my radar. Well, you know, it's just, I evolved. Just like you, you got the pulp brand now. I'm more the the classic monster guy, you know, now. And just, you know, it is what it is. Um, But, uh, no, I think you're right. Plan 9's got the bones uh, for what could be a very fun story. Yeah, I mean, really, it's like, if I have a great idea and then I type it with my feet... Uh, while blindfolded, it's not really going to come out that great. And so Ed Wood is the cinematic equivalent of that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But um, I, mean, I think it's got some great some great core ideas. But you know what? There's lots of other great core ideas that haven't even been made once yet. True. So, although you wouldn't know that sometimes looking at Hollywood. One of the reasons why I love the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival is that the short films and people just go, hey, here's a Lovecraftian mood, and then it's over. But some of the films, I mean, mm-hmm. because there's such a rich amount of shared world 
if you will, shared universe, I guess, mm -hmm. um, that you can make extremely resonant movies with really not much of a, not much of a budget. Because as you know very well, yeah. the less you show the monster, the scarier the monster is. And thusly, you see Robot Monster, the full thing in every frame. <laughs> I love Robot Monster oh so much. I love that movie so much. I do. I do too. And it's uh, it's so much like, what do we got? Put a gorilla suit? Uh, put a, put, a, put a, a dive helmet on it. It's perfect. And the fact that we're talking about it, what, like 65 years later, says what a genius, awful concept it was. I would love to get a gorilla suit just for that reason. I don't need the head. Just somebody go, go with a gorilla suit. I'll create the dive helmet, whatever. Yeah. And then, boom, I'm cosplaying. Yeah, you are cosplaying, <laughs> and I bet that ninety percent of the people here over twenty-five will know exactly mm -hmm. what you're from. Yep. And the young people need to be educated. That's right. What if a robot monster showed up on their doorstep? What would they do? I don't know what. I, well, I would probably take a picture, but I don't know. You know, what would you do? If robot, oh yeah, if somebody dressed as robot monster came, I would think instantly that it was you. Oh, okay. okay. But after that, <laughs> but after that, let's say it was someone who isn't quite as tall or something, I would, uh, I would go. Okay, it's probably an awesome person. But obviously someone insane. <laughs> and it's not just because your dress is Robot Monster. Mm -hmm. I live in Las Vegas, 115 degrees in the shade. Oh. If you're wearing a gorilla suit and a dive helmet, you must be insane. Either that or some sort of weird health regime kind of sweat yeah. things out there. Exactly. It's a Dr. Kellogg kind <laughs> of uh, sweating out the poisons. <laughs> um, earlier, you mentioned the mole people. Yes. You just recently discovered this one? Yes. Is that right? Tell me about it. What happened is the amazing Sarah Walker who was a terrific writer, and I kind of helped, when she was a fledging writer, I kind of took her under my wing and we worked together, and she sent me a poster for the mole people, because she knows that I like that kind of thing. I had never seen the mole people. You had not seen the mole people up until this point? What did you think of it? Oh, uh, it was brilliantly awful. It was exactly... Okay, let me explain. You have no doubt heard of the movie The Day the Earth Stood Still. Of course. Of course. Every, yeah. Of course. That was kind of, a, kind of an ironic thing. Um, you know how that movie is actually not really that good? Because in the way, it, in the way that you look at a modern film, okay. it, its pacing was, was glacially slow. It was a little, it was a little preachy. And uh, it was magnificent. But the, him having the Earth Stood Still was kind of like, let's freeze the traffic lights for two minutes. Right? Okay. Which I and I like more than the CGI bombast of today, okay? That's yeah. what the mole people was to me. Well, I love I love Daily Earth still. Don't right. don't get me wrong, Mr. Right. and Mrs. America. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen the remake, even though I love Keanu. But uh, but anyway, um it's it's not good. No. See, I need my black and white. I need my mole people. Because it's it's a concept I can see the studio head at whatever awful studio I don't even know what studio made that. It's basically he's got the ashtray there. It's his, you know, wood paneling, whatever. And he's like, how about the mole people? Jim, how about you make that movie? <laughs> okay, I'll have a script for you in four days, you know. And uh, four days was a, was a lot of work for this script. But it's wonderful. It's wonderful. If you can appreciate, it's not kitschy exactly. Because it's not, it's not making fun of itself at all. It's meant to be a suspenseful, I don't, I don't know, scary. I mean, it was meant to be sort of scary but it's more of a it's more of a, a monster movie monster movies aren't necessarily scary mm -hmm. um, they're just it's kind of the spectacle and you know human resilience and all this stuff so I really I just love it on that level it's really a film where, where you really uh, really feel how original and almost like crazy in love with the format that these directors and writers and actors had to be mm -hmm. 
I'm so glad you like that movie so much. I mean, it's one of my favorites. It's, 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 it's John Agar, you know, and I love John Agar. It's just, it's just, hmm. And uh, it's just like you can feel his love for this. What we look at now from our fancy perch, it's, oh, that's just a stupid monster movie. Uh, or, you know. Right. Uh, uh, and no, you don't get it, man. John Agar, I'm not saying that he said that it was art or anything. I don't, I, uh, but while he was making it, I bet it felt like he was making art. And it now, it, maybe back then too, but now it is art. It's like a little, it's like when you see a bug frozen in amber. You see a more innocent time when a monster was, or, or a group, group of, quote, monsters were actually scary. When the monsters weren't necessarily us, you know, that sort of thing. And it's just, it's just beautiful. Also, I really like black and white movies. They're the best, man. They they're, they're, they're the best. I'm utterly colorblind. Are you? I'm completely my uh, optometrist or not what's the eye doctor optometrist yeah. optometrist he said that I was the most profoundly colorblind person he had ever met so I don't really get to see what people see in regular color movies I like color movies okay mm-hmm. but when I see a black and white movie with the richness that a lot of them have I'm not saying the mole people cinematography necessarily was the best but when it's been like remastered mm-hmm. um it's so rich and I get to see the movie the same way that other people get to see this but also Black and white movies in general, it's like they were low budget, so they had to be creative. Mm-hmm. That's how you get robot monster. <laughs> I don't have Tom Cruise hanging from an airplane, doing his own stunts. I have a gorilla suit and sort of a sea helmet with antenna on it, antennae. <laughs> and I love every... A bubble machine. Second. We have that cave over there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, there's, I mean, if, South, if Southern California didn't have caves, the history of horror cinema would be much <laughs> different. <laughs> Have you ever seen the lost skeleton of Cadavra? Uh, I have. That's a Larry Blameyer film. Yes. There's a couple of films he's done, right? Yes. That's the only one I've seen. He was going to do a mobster one. Oh, really? That okay. sounded hilarious. I can't remember what the plot was going to be. But Lost Skeleton was a lot of fun. And uh, my favorite one was The Scientist. Okay. Like, this... <laughs> actually, my wife and I say this all the time. This will lead to advances in the field of science. It's like, oh, don't be too specific, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty great. All right, so you mentioned earlier that you've got another con that you're hitting. It's in Austin. Did I hear that right? Yes. Uh, from here, I'm going home for a little bit to regroup, pick up more books. Then uh, Maybe another shirt or two? Maybe another shirt or two. Okay. Although, Goodwill okay. keeps paying, you know, paying up. Yeah, I go for, home from here, and then uh, the 21st, I think? The, no, it's the 23rd to the 25th of September. Mm-hmm. Uh, Austin Wizard World. Oh, okay. And I got, I'm going to refresh on all my books that, you know, hopefully they will sell out here. Cthulhu Tax is gone. And... Um, it's going to be fun. I like Wizard World. I have an agreement with them that I, you know, do some of their cons and and like I said, Buddy Holly, I get to uh, stop in Lubbock because that's like dead between Las Vegas and Austin. Mm-hmm. And I have an upcoming horror book about the day the music died and stuff like that. So, <laughs> so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And I've got more cons, and I love to come up to Portland every time because some of my favorite people are here: Aww. Greg, you, this dude. <laughs> and in November, the next Cthulhu book. Yes, November finally. Cthulhu Attacks, book two, The Faith, will be available online, at bookstores, at cons, at really anything. Anywhere where fine books are sold, uh, if they're by me, they will, <laughs> they will be there. And it's going to be great because it takes the characters from the first book, The Fear, mm-hmm. and it furthers their suffering <laughs> along, <laughs> if you will. But also, I mean, if you... If you have a god rise, or something that seems like a god because it's so powerful, and you're not of that religion, you're not a Cthulhu cultist, do you bend your knee? Do you worship it because it's there? If the alternative is maybe horrible death, or death at all, 
Um, or do you wait for your God to rise, which hasn't shown up? And uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting question. And if you are a Cthulhu cultist, here's your God. What now? You know, and it, it asks those questions and uh, it has a... You remember the scientist from the first one? Yeah. I'm going to give a spoiler. Uh-oh. It's right at the beginning of the book. Okay. Those scientists are still in the lab. None of them are dead. They aren't all being carried around in one head. Uh, okay. And it's uh, very interesting how that, why that is. Okay. And uh, so they're still in Washington, D.C., just an instant after they, they took the mercury vapors. Mm-hmm. And so it's all going to be very interesting. And But we have a bunch of scientists who are essentially atheists, materialists at least. And here's this elder, oh, not elder god, I'm sorry, this old one. And uh, oh, you can't mess that up. John Come messes on. up. You are in big trouble. Okay, <laughs> you think Star Wars purists are rough, you know? <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's uh, it's these atheists and materialists seeing. Eh, seems like a god action from a distance. God, right there. What do they do with that? Mm-hmm. They basically science it, you know. <laughs> and uh, and it'll be really it'll be really great because we have the president having run off screaming, and. Uh, then we have, you know, our other people have uh, Martin Storch, the uh, Christopher Hitchens type person. So what ends up is you have basically, and it's not, this isn't like preachy or, well, it's not preachy because it's not one part, but you basically have the three kinds of, uh, the three kinds of uh, Christianity, really, but any religion. You have the ones who are fundamentalist, textual basis. That's the president, because remember she gets the call of Cthulhu and that's her Bible then. And you have ones who think that just by believing you're saved. And then you have the ones that say you have to do good works to be saved. And so you have that, uh, you know, schism, those schisms in the, uh, the love, not Lovecraftian, I mean, it is Lovecraftian, but in the Cthulhu is here world. And it's going to be a lot of fun for people who enjoy, you know, monster stuff, Lovecraftians. And also, I think it'll be really interesting for people who are more philosophically inclined. And because uh, it's actually a, quite a thoughtful book, but lots of brains exploding, lots of death. Don't worry. <laughs> When I first read the book, and I've read the first book twice now, Excellent. so the, the first time I read it, I would get through like the first, I guess it was a chapter, and I would look at my wife, yeah. like, well, okay, that's not the main character. <laughs> and then I'd go right, again, it's like, right. oh, well, that's not the main character. And, and not that I don't want to spoil it either, but no. you go through a handful before we finally land on somebody whose brain doesn't... Oh, doesn't yeah. melt or whatever? Yeah. Okay, this is really interesting you brought this up, because somebody, well, you know, people have bought my books here before, and, and uh, you know, so they come to see if the second one's out, which is not, and it's just because I got paid to do other books first. Um, but anyway, uh, and they're like, wow, you know, you get me attached to these people in the beginning, and then their brains explode or whatever. And they were different ones. It's like a really accomplished right. uh, astrophysicist, and there's this man who's like relaxing, thinking of what his grandchildren will be like, right, and all this stuff. And then they get splattered. What I'm trying to do, what I was trying to do with that is exactly what, it's like, oh, I really like this person. I, they, I really, you know, and then they're dead. Exactly. It's like, it's these, how much is law, you know, it's easy when, like, Independence Day, right? right? It's easy to go, oh, look, 100 million people have been killed by aliens. Yeah, but each one of those people had a story. They had hopes, they had dreams, they had histories. And that's what I was trying to do in the, the beginning of that. There's something similar, but not exactly the same, obviously, at the beginning of, of The Faith book two so it'll be good they're gonna all follow that kind of little little bit there so you basically are able to do that with a character in a couple of pages instead of like i don't know pulling a george rr R. martin doing a whole novel yeah. and then killing the main character yeah, right? right i mean the difference is of course right uh, that i'm gonna finish these books number one <laughs> but beyond that george rr R. martin's characters are very important to the story right all of the characters and you can call them characters the personages that get the splatter in the beginning are 
standing in for mankind. Right. And here's, you know, I mean, you know, you're a successful podcast uh, dude and horror aficionado, very well respected, right? Cthulhu Rises, your head is paced, baby. You know, that's it. Uh, me, right? I'm this writer. Oh, people like my books. I really feel great. I'm going to get this, you know, hopefully, God willing, Cthulhu willing, uh, this book contract from the big publisher, da, da, da. And no. Nope. You know what? In fact, you just swallowed your tongue and you're dead. You know? So it's like, that's what I was trying to do. I was saying, no matter how many people die, every one of them has some kind of worth that is taken out of the world by Cthulhu Rising. And on that pleasant note, Sean. <laughs> yes, yes. That's the that's the that's the light and funny part of it. <laughs> All right. So in Austin, Wizard World, and then we're going to be twenty third to twenty fifth of September, and then a couple of weeks after that, you're going to be back here for the Lovecraft Film Festival. Yep, I'm a guest at the Lovecraft. Festival. You and I are both guests. So guests, yay! yay. Are we? Yeah, being a yeah. guest is awesome. I feel like we should like chest bump or something. But Let's do it. Okay. People couldn't see that, but they heard it. Yeah, it was good. It was good. It was good for me. It was good for you. I have to have a cigarette now. All right, all right, I'll let you do that. Okay, thanks, man. Thanks, Sean. SeanHode.com. It's S-E-A-N-H-O-A-D-E.com. That's where you can find Sean online. Of course, he's also on Facebook, on Twitter. He's out there doing his thing. We joked a little bit at Rose City Comic Con off mic. Somebody asked where he was from, and I piped in and said he's a man of the world because he's going all over the place, Florida, Utah, Oregon. I mean, he's just bopping around, working it at these conventions. If you get a chance to see him, just spend some time watching his table, watching how he interacts with people, but don't get too close. Actually, you don't need to worry about getting too close because he'll call you over and he'll want to interact with you. And that's great. Sean's just a great guy. It's a fun person to chat with and his books even better. So, you know, pick up his books, support the guy, support a monster kid and enrich your, you know, I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Sean's books, monster kid radio stamp of approval. Boom. Check it out. As for the rest of my experiences at Rose City Comic Con, you know, occasionally people ask me why I go to these things when I'm not really into reading modern comic books and I'm not really into the whole celebrity thing that a lot of these cons bring in. Like, I don't know who half these people are and I don't have that connection. So first of all, I like to go with, you know, my friend Tom. He always makes it fun. The other part of it, though, is as a monster kid, I feel like there's a lesson that can be learned here. Keep your eyes open, because if you look hard enough, you're going to find monster stuff where you least suspect it. There's a lot of monster kid potential at just a regular comic book convention. That's how I met Tad Galusha, who's been on the show in the past. That's how I discovered an artist by the name of Maggie Wyman at StarkGravingMad.com. I picked up some of her prints, and it's all pinup monster stuff. It's great. There's a local event thing here that happens in the Portland, Oregon area called Frankenstein's comic book swap. It doesn't have anything to do with Frankenstein. It doesn't have anything to do with monsters. It's just a low key comic book swap that happens. They put Frankenstein in the name and there's a lot of Frankenstein material at their table, not necessarily for sale, but to look at and appreciate. They had a pretty cool yellow on black print of Boris Karloff of the monster, huge poster that was framed. It looked really cool. And of course I just started that for a while. The cover image for this episode of monster kid radio is me standing with a guy cosplaying as an ape from planet of the apes. I mean, come on. I would challenge you to talk to any of these comic book artists, the local guys, the indie guys, ask them about classic monsters. And I can guarantee you that at some point, 
they've doodled, they've considered drawing a classic monster that they enjoy drawing or would love to draw one of the classic monsters. I mean, the creature from the Black Lagoon, Frankenstein. I mean, these characters are iconic. And of course, they turn up in a whole bunch of comic book material as well. And you can learn about that if you check out some upcoming episodes of the Super Meats podcast. I'll play a promo for that here in a little bit. Anyway, I guess what I'm saying is, is that even if I'm not into reading a lot of modern comics, I still enjoy going to these comic cons and I would highly recommend that you check one out as well. If you're in an area that has something like that, I wouldn't travel a whole bunch. If you're not into the comic book scene, I'm lucky. I live in Portland. We have two, three, four comic book shows a year. So I'm spoiled that way. And next time I go to one, I promise I'll bring my recorder along and I'll get a lot more content for a future episode of monster kid radio. of a deadly cosmic ray, the Earth is invaded by indestructible moon monsters. Their ghastly mission, death for all humans. What astounding technical developments are being made to protect mankind? Robot Monster brings you an actual preview of the devastating forces of our future. Unsuspected revelations of incredible horrors that will terrify you with their brutal reality. There is no escape from me. Fool humans, there is no escape. Beautiful evening. The moon is just rising. A full moon. It will soon be as bright as day. An ancient evil erupts from the grounds of Supermates Estates. The house of Frankenstein has risen from the grave. Step this way to gaze upon an exhibit absolutely unparalleled in the realms of showmanship. I have a collection of the world's most astounding horrors. Spine-chilling discussion of classic horror films featuring an all-star cast. Boris Karloff. If I had Frankenstein's records to guide me, I could give you a perfect body. Lon Chaney. Last night I suffered the tortures of the damned. I killed a man. John Carradine. I will come for you before the dawn. Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. There is nothing, do you hear me, nothing more important to me than the success of this experiment. Oliver Reed. I can't, I tell you. I can't remember anything. Lawrence Olivier. You are a most uh, unusual creature, Count Raccoon. And Frank Langella. You do not know how many men have come against me. I am the king of my kind. Plus, your favorite superheroes grapple with the world's greatest monsters. You'll never succeed with your crazy plan, Dr. Frankenstein. That's just what Batman said, Superman. And look where you are now. (laughs) A Supermates presentation coming in September and October to the Fire and Water Podcast Network. The House of Frankenstein has risen from the grave.
In March of 2015, I had Keith J. Rainville on the show. Keith is the man behind From FromPartsUnknown.net. FromPartsUnknown is a publishing company. They've put out a new book called Rencore, Life in Grudge City. It's written by Matt Wallace. Or if you listen to the Dish Diggers podcast, Matt Ethan Wallace. Matt's an author. This is his first book with From Parts Unknown, and it's fantastic. I want to tell you a little bit about it and make it relevant to Monster Kid Radio. Now, longtime listeners of the show know that I love me a good luchador monster movie. I love the movies of Santo, Blue Demon, Mil Mascaras, all of those. I mean, especially Mil Mascaras, but all of them. I love them. I love these Mexican wrestler movies. I love the luchador style of wrestling. I love luchador films. And that's what From Parts Unknown is all about. It's bringing you masked wrestler pop culture and vintage Mexican monster media. I took that from the website. It can be really enjoyable. And this novel catches that flavor. Now, it's set in a world in which these luchadors are real. I mean, these luchadors did go out and fight crime. But it also takes a real-world look at it. It doesn't deconstruct it. It doesn't pick it apart or anything like that. It just happens to be a world in which luchadors did their thing, their thing being wrestling in the ring and fighting bad guys. I'm about a third of the way through the book right now, and I'm really enjoying it. And at this point, the hero is about as real to me as any of the heroes in a Blue Demon film. It's that good. Matt Wallace is a former independent wrestler, and he brings his knowledge of that world to this book. And one of the things that I like about this book is that he's not showing off his background. He's not showing off his research, his real world experiences, anything like that. He's writing as if, well, this is the world the characters live in. They wrestle, they do their thing. They wear a mask. This is why. And it's natural. It doesn't draw attention to itself. And it makes for a very pleasant reading experience. And I was thrilled when Keith reached out to me to ask me if I wanted to review the book on the show. Well, I told him I already pre-ordered the book. It's on my Kindle right now. That's how I'm reading it. But since he offered the show a book, I thought, well, let's do the next best thing. Let's do a giveaway. So I'm holding in my hand right now a copy of Rencore Life in Grudge City, written by Matt Wallace from a story by Keith J. Rainville and Matt Wallace. It is an ARC copy, an advanced reader's copy. I haven't really gone through it too closely to see if there's any typos or anything like that. But it's the book, and it can be yours. Here's how we're going to do this. We're going to do a giveaway here on the show. Here's how you enter. You just email me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. Real simple. I need to have your real name, but let's make it fun. Tell me your luchador name in the email. Let me know the name you would take if you were stepping into the ring and then later stepping up to Frankenstein's monster, Dracula, Wolfmen, mummies, whatever. What is your luchador name? I'm going to run this contest through the end of the month, the deadline, let's say September 30th, and then I'll announce the winner, the first episode of October. All right, so that brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Like I said, I know it is a shorter episode than normal. Thanks for listening, though. I really appreciate you sticking around and being part of the Monster Kid Radio experience for me. I appreciate having you guys and gals open up your ears to me once a week to hear me gab about monster movies next week on the show or maybe it'll be two weeks rodney barnett's coming to monster kid radio been talking about it for a while with him and behind the scenes and we're finally going to make it happen we're going to talk about the 1965 film wild wild planet this is the world of the future 
One step beyond your wildest imagination and your strangest dreams, where science has gone berserk with grotesque experiments in the ungodly art of flesh fusion. She's being prepared. Soon she will be ready for the great moment when she and I will become one person my flesh will absorb hers. The fusion of male and female. Living humans drained of imperfections and grafted together to form a new and terrifying race. The incredible bi-sapien race of the wild, wild planet where the slightest error becomes the mutilated refuse of mankind, where success is a super-being, a man-made race of automatons programmed to overpower man himself. These are the invaders from the wild, wild planet. Female form destructive units of invincible strength. Awesome ability to disappear into thin air. Only a handful of men stand in the way of these mass-produced monsters, fighting desperately to uncover the diabolic mystery of their creation, locked in the malignant mind of one man. My mind! You could never comprehend! You will never comprehend! Insane master of the wild, wild planet. Excitement blows you into a world of madness. Danger engulfs you in a flood of cold fear. And terror catapults you through a galaxy of horrors. This is the wild, wild planet. a spoiler i've never seen the film i've wanted to for a long time the poster is crazy so that's going to be fun i'm looking forward to having rod on the show and talking about this movie also in the near future i've got Stephen d sullivan lined up well actually i already have a recording with steve several months ago shortly after he and i talked about rodan earlier this year he and i got together and we talked about the rally awards this is the retro award show that we do here on Monster Kid Radio. He and I go over the winners of the 1932, 42, and 52 ballots. So that'll be coming up as well. Pay attention to monsterkidradio.net because this is where we're going to make any announcements about upcoming episodes. Or Facebook is a good place to find us as well. We have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. There are links to this on our website. We also have our contact information, 503-479-5657. That's our voicemail line. It's 503-4795-MKR. And the email address I mentioned before, monsterkidradio at gmail.com. We have links to everything else you might want to know about Monster Kid Radio over there on the website, so go check it out. If you are a Facebook user, please consider giving us a like on Facebook. We're trying to get to 1,000 likes by the end of the year. If you're an iTunes user, if you downloaded the episode through iTunes, please consider looking up Monster Kid Radio on the iTunes store and giving us an honest review. As of this recording, we have 73 reviews. We're trying to get to 100 reviews by October. And we still got a few weeks left. We still might be able to pull it off. With your help, I think we can. 
Again, thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks for being part of the show, and make sure you come back here next week for more Monster Kid Radio. Between now and then, remember that all original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Testing the Limit. That belongs to the Tucson, Arizona surf band, The Boogie Knots. Check them out at theboogieknots.bandcamp.com or look them up on Facebook and check out their two-song EP release. Is it a single? I'm not sure what you'd call it, but it's two really cool songs. Go check them out. Talk to everybody next week. Ciao. (laughs) 